Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's BangTheBook.com's MLB betting podcast for Monday, August 17th. I am your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Daily picks and tips piece every day over at bangthebook.com for you to check out. Also covering NBA, NHL, UFC, golf, NASCAR, all kinds of stuff over at the website. Of course, the NFL season coming up here pretty soon as well, so we'll be doing some more with that. And as we get a little bit more clarity on what's going on on the college football side of things, we'll work on some more college football content. But for right now, obviously a lot of things still up in the air. A lot of moving parts yet to be decided on the college football side. But lots of good stuff going on over at bangthebook.com for you to check out. And I highly encourage you to do that. Charles Jay covering the NBA playoffs. I've been taking care of the NHL playoffs. The FedEx Cup playoffs start this week for golf. So we'll be talking about that. We're not that far away from the Kentucky Derby. So we'll have a preview for that coming up here soon as well. Plenty of things going on over at bangthebook.com for you to check out. And something else you should check out as well, Maddie and Tony over at footballcontest.com. They are our preferred proxy service for the Circus Sports Million and also the Westgate Super Contest. Now, you do have to sign up in person out in Las Vegas. If you live outside of the state of Nevada, you do need a proxy. And of course, with COVID-19, difficult to get out to Vegas, hard to do a lot of traveling at this point in time. But if you can make it out there, the Circa Million is going to have a massive overlay, a very, very big overlay. And what that means is there's a guaranteed prize pool for the Circa Million of $3 million in total guaranteed prizes. Now, the Circa Million is $1,000 to get in. There are only 285 entries right now in the Circa Sports Million. So we're talking about a $2.7 million overlay on the prize pool. So it's a good opportunity to go and try that out here. We're going to see a lot of money spread across a lot of different places. The quarter prizes are going to be very, very big. So if you can make it out there to Las Vegas to sign up for the Circa Million at Golden Gate Sportsbook, which is where uh, Circa's home currently is until the new property opens here at the end of October, get together with Maddie or Tony over at footballcontest.com. They've been great for us as our proxy service, and I have no doubt that they will be great for you as well. We go ahead and dive into this edition of the Betters Box here. We start with a Monday mailbag question from Matt via email. Then we'll go through beyond the box score. We'll talk about the down the line segment here, and then finally wrap up with a look at four series coming up here during the week around Major League Baseball. But like I said, we start first with that question from Matt, and Matt says, Humidors in the stadiums that they didn't tell us about? Are we sure that Major League Baseball is becoming more better friendly? And this humidor thing was a big deal. I mean, this came out last week. Nobody knew a thing about it, that humidors had been installed at Fenway Park, at City Field, and at T-Mobile Park. So new humidors in Boston, Queens, and Seattle. We didn't know anything about this until it was announced when offense was very, very slow to start the year. And everyone in the DFS community, in the betting community, in the projection community 
was kind of like, wait, what? Huh? What, what the hell are you talking about? Nobody knew about this. So as Matt continues here, do you think these things will continue to hurt the popularity of a sport that simply can't afford to be less popular? And look, the betting community is not one that you want to cross. And I think people will always bet Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball doesn't care about the betters. You know, the bullshit about integrity fees and all those kinds of things. You know, look, integrity fees, right? You talk about modelers. And modelers, their information is largely based on who's expected to be in the lineup. And all of a sudden, you get guys sitting out in the NBA. You get late NHL announcements about starting goaltenders or injuries. You get all these pitcher scratches and all these kinds of things. And these leagues had the audacity to ask sports betting operators for integrity fees. And good for the sports betting operators to dig in and say, absolutely not. I mean, they said it largely from a margin standpoint because a lot of times the margins aren't very big on a lot of these sporting events. But, you know, they were also kind of standing up for the betters in a way, too, of like, you know, you want integrity fees when there's not integrity in terms of lineups and stuff like that. And now you see this with Major League Baseball with these humidors that we had no idea were going to be installed. The baseball is different year in and year out. And I'll talk about that here uh, extensively in a couple of minutes. But, you know, as far as Major League Baseball goes, I mean, look, when, when you look at the demographics of baseball, you know, the average fan is a white male in his 50s. And, you know, they've got their opinions on certain things that are happening out there. It, a lot of those people, you know, will bet on sports, but you know, not to the degree that some of the younger generations will. I don't know necessarily about baseball and betting and about the future of that, but what I do know is that, look, if this next CBA set of negotiations goes awry and there's a labor stoppage, it will hurt baseball tremendously, and and that's an understatement in so many ways. You know, when you look at what happened here with the lead up to the season. Well, it talks about COVID and testing and protocols and all this type of stuff. It became millionaires versus billionaires out there on social media, as people were calling it. It was players versus owners, and people were taking sides. And when the CBA negotiations come up, and if there is a labor stoppage or something like that, a lot of people will turn their backs on baseball for good. Now, betters won't because betters are just trying to find value, trying to find plus EV opportunities wherever they can. But the problem is this baseball season is going to have a negative carryover to next baseball season because sample sizes are smaller. You're going to have less to go off of. And year in and year out, we don't know what's going to happen with the baseballs. We don't know if Manfred will ever get his way with banning shifts. We know pitchers are going to throw fewer fastballs over the next several years. Baseball's a hard sport to bet right now. And I do think that there will be some people, some sharp people out there that say, you know what? Screw this. It's it's not worth my time. I know some very sharp MLB handicappers have focused on golf or they focused on the NBA or the NHL playoffs here this year. And again, they have the opportunity to do that because of the changes to the calendar and the changes to the schedules. But if the NBA has its way and they say, hey, we're starting on Christmas Day and we're going to play through the summer, does baseball lose some betting popularity at that point in time? I think the answer is yes. And maybe the corollary point is that, you know, we've got these secret humidors and the baseball changes and all of that. 
But I will tell you, there are days where I get up to write the article and I go, I don't know if I want to do this. Because day in and day out, week in and week out, everything is very different across Major League Baseball. And especially this year, you know, with all the pitcher injuries we've seen, the piggybacks and tandems and all these kinds of things, it's tough. You know, it's very challenging. And I think if you get to a point where some of the sharper, the, the quant analysis crowd starts looking at this and says, you know what, this is a crapshoot. This is guesswork. I can't find edges. They're not going to play it. And that is possibly the direction that Major League Baseball is going in right now. So we'll just have to see how everything plays out, how the rest of this season plays out. But baseball is in a precarious spot in general right now, not just within the betting community, but with fans across the country and across the world as well. But transitioning here to the Beyond the Box Score segment, the big spike in offense. Last week, August 10th to August 16th, so a week's worth of games going Monday to Sunday, the league batting average 266 with a 335 on base, a 461 slugging percentage, 955 runs scored last week, 267 home runs. Offense from August 3rd to August 9th, so that's Monday to Sunday the week prior, 227 average, 307 on base, 395 slugging percentage. So in the span of a week, we saw batting average go up 39 points, on base percentage go up 28 points, and slugging percentage go up, what is that, 67, 66 points in the span of a week. So from August 3rd to August 9th, and then August 10th to August 16th, batting average goes up almost 40 points, OBP almost 30, slugging almost 70. July 27th to August 2nd looked pretty similar to August 3rd to August 9th. 233, 314, 397. Offense was actually better that week of July 27th to August 2nd than it was August 3rd to August 9th. Now, the one constant that we've had for the most part is the long ball. And as hitters have improved their timing, we've seen weekly increases in home runs. But when you look at what happened August 10th to August 16th here, again, 266, 335, 461, it is entirely too coincidental for every hitter to suddenly find his timing. I think... And we can speculate about this. And I have had this talk with some people uh, like at MLB Dream on Twitter. Uh, him and I chat regularly. Uh, at Jay Spawny, him and I talk regularly. Some of the baseball guys that are on the sabermetric side that I talk to. You know, we've kind of had this discussion here of, are the baseballs different? You know, did this become a scenario where Major League Baseball is going up against the NBA, up against the NHL, up against golf, football's coming soon in some, you know, capacity. Did MLB make a decision without telling anybody to go back to the 2019 baseball? And when you think about how depressed offense was, when you think about how bad it was offensively, maybe it's a change they felt they had to make. But last week, a 17.4% home run to fly ball percentage. Now, I will say this. Batting average and on-base percentage did spike because strikeout percentage was down quite a bit 
Straight off percentage, August 3rd to the 9th was 24.1%. August 10th to the 16th was 21.8%. So there is that. Strikeouts did fall tremendously from August 3rd to the 9th to August 10th to the 16th. So with a decrease in strikeout percentage, you get an increase in batting average, obviously, and you get a big increase in slugging percentage as well because slugging percentage is total bases divided by at-bats. So if guys are striking out, it's zero total bases. If guys start getting on base, at least it's something. So there is that. The big strikeout decrease is very much a factor in this increase in offense. And a lot of that is because a lot of MLB caliber starting pitchers are on the injured list now. We're getting fringy guys. We're getting call-ups. We're getting you know these tandem scenarios and situations, stuff like that. Also, you know, pitchers are facing a team for the second or third time in short order. For example, Brady Singer will make his third straight start against the Minnesota Twins here later in the week. So, yeah, that helps the hitters. It probably helps the pitchers as well. But all of this appears to be too coincidental to just be, you know, hitters figuring it out at the same time, the strikeout decrease, all of that. To me, and I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist about this, it looks like the different baseball is here. It looks like the 2019 baseball has arrived. And we'll see what the data looks like here August 17th to the 23rd. But, you know, again, it, it, it this can't just be all these hitters all of a sudden are ready to go. It, it can't be that. And maybe it is a perfect storm of pitcher injuries and the strikeout decrease and all of that. And you, know, you look too here that, Exit velocity didn't go up at all last week. In fact, it went down. August 3rd to the 9th, 88 miles per hour was the average exit velocity league-wide. August 10th to 16th, it was 87.9. So it went down a little bit. And again, it's so hard to bet this stuff right now. I mean, that's a dramatic difference in offense from one week to the next. I mean, that's just, it's substantial. And, you know, I kind of saw it with Oakland and Anaheim Oakland and the Angels out in Anaheim at Angel Stadium. I mean, the ball was, there were 15 home runs in three games. That doesn't happen in Anaheim. And that's what kind of got me wondering, is the baseball different? And definitively, we can't say that. But again, I mean, something is different. And I think that these jumps are too big to just be that strikeout percentage drop. I think there's something else going on here. But again, we'll have to get a second week of data here to really figure that out. I want to touch on something here. And again, a very small sample size alert with this. But looking at left on base percentage regression candidates, both on the positive side and the negative side. Now, I'm only looking at qualified starting pitchers here, which I think is a third of a team's innings, something like that. Uh, I know for hitters, it's 3.1 plate appearances per game, whatever the case may be. I'm looking at guys that actually have a little bit of a sample size here for this season, three or four starts, you know, 15 to 25 innings, something like that. But the reason why I want to take a look at this isn't necessarily to suggest plays on or against these guys, but to simply point you to another element that creates line movement in the marketplace. Let's talk about some of these pitchers here. Shane Bieber and Merrill Kelly running 100% left on base percentages. 
Now, what this means is that guys have either scored off of home runs or they've been inherited runners that have scored something like that. So even though Bieber and Kelly have given up runs, they haven't left men on base, basically, is what this Fangraphs metric is saying. Randy Dobnak of the Twins, Zach Gallon of the Diamondbacks, who pitches today. Also, Kyle Freeland, who pitches today. 93.8% left on base percentage. Lance Lynn, 89.6. Garrett Cole, 89.5. Carlos Carrasco, 89.3. Dylan Bundy, 87.9. And Denilson Lamott, 86.8. Two things. One, if you strike out a lot of guys, you can carry a higher left on base percentage because it's easier for you to strand runners if you've got that swing and miss. Second, left on base percentage is a stat that from its definition never reaches a point of statistical significance over the course of a season. So this stat, much like BABIP, is open to and subject to a lot of fluctuation, a lot of variance. It does not reach a point of statistical significance. So a lot of noise will impact that number. Guys that are well above the league average, which is generally around 73%, are likely to regress to the mean. Guys on the low end are also likely to regress to the mean, but in a positive way, likely have better fortunes, stuff like that. The bottom 10 in left on base percentage are John Gray at 51.1%, Ivan Nova 51.2%, Matt Boyd 54.6%, he also pitches today, Steven Matz 55.6%, Rick Porcello 60.2%, Lance McCullers Jr. 61.7%, Danny Duffy, 61.9. Andrew Heaney, 62.1. Matt Shoemaker, 63.5. Johnny Cueto, 64.8. That's the bottom 10 in left on base percentage. Guys that have not had good luck with men on base, have not had good luck with the sequencing of outcomes. And again, this is a topic talked about by Joe Pita in his great book, Trading Bases. But what happens here is that if you've got a high left on base percentage, it will help your ERA. If you've got a low left on base percentage, it will hurt your ERA. So what we get a lot of times is we get those big ERA and FIP discrepancies. And I talk about this all the time on the show here. Low ERA, high FIP, money is coming in against that guy. High ERA, low FIP, money is coming in against that guy. Or money's, let me me rephrase that, I apologize. Low ERA, high FIP. Money will be coming in against that pitcher. High ERA, low FIP. Money will be coming in on that pitcher. And a lot of times, the difference between ERA and FIP is left on base percentage. You're going to go like Merrill Kelly, for example. His ERA is about two runs lower than his FIP, and he's running this 100% left on base percentage. Matt Boyd, who pitches today, has an ERA over 10 and a FIP that's about four runs lower, which still isn't very good in the 620s. But again, he's not stranding runners. That hurts your ERA. So low ERA, high FIP, money comes in against those guys. High ERA, low FIP, money comes in on those guys. And a lot of times that's in concert with left on base percentage. So if you see really high left on base percentages, and those big ERA and FIP discrepancies, you know what's going to happen with those guys in the betting market. If you see 
really low left on base percentages. Those are guys that are going to have higher ERAs and lower FIPS. Those are guys that the market will probably move on. So when you talk about Major League Baseball, you talk about the crapshoot nature of betting this right now. That's why you see so much market manipulation. That's why you see so many lines move and then see buyback. It's why you see scalping and middling and all these types of things. Because you've got this statistical blueprint of a pitcher that you want to bet on or that you want to bet against. So left on base percentage is a big indicator. Now, again, we've got very small sample sizes. So one bad start could swing this one way or another, stuff like that. But you will see line moves based on this out there in the marketplace. And that's why it is very important to know these stats. You don't even necessarily have to know the formulas or anything like that. But just simply seeing these statistical clues out there in the betting markets will give you closing line value will give you the opportunity to go out there and get out in front of the market. And again, when we talk about the concept of regression to the mean, it's an educated guess. It's an expectation. It's something that we think will happen. Doesn't always happen, but we think it will happen. And if you can get out there in front of the market, get some good numbers, and these things play out the way that you hope they will, you can have some very, very big days out there in the Major League Baseball slate. One other thing to consider here, again, with very small sample sizes here, look at game logs. Look for context. You know, a pitcher may have a high ERA because he had one really bad start. Maybe his other three starts are pretty good. Or maybe a guy has a bad ERA because he's been consistently bad. Game logs are very important to check right now at this point in time because you want to know, is that guy just pitching poorly across the board? Or did he have one bad start that kind of skewed the numbers? And maybe now I can get some value on him because he's pitched well in three of his four starts. And I think he's going to pitch well here. So game logs are very important when you talk about small sample sizes. You want to see why those are high numbers. Who has he faced? You know, some pitchers may have faced the Dodgers twice already and the Padres and then, you know, the Giants. And maybe they've got some high ERA and high FIP numbers, but they've faced the Giants and the Dodgers, or the Padres and the Dodgers, who are both doing very well offensively. Some guys, you know, may have faced the Tigers twice, or the Pirates twice, or something like that. So look at the game logs for context. That's something that will be very beneficial for you with these small sample sizes as well. So we take a look down the lines and talk about some of these line moves here and, and some of the reasons why these things happen. Aaron Savali took money against Ivan Nova and the Tigers. Ivan Nova, a guy who was not very good. Aaron Savale against a right-handed heavy Tigers lineup. Good matchup there. The Indians have won 20 in a row over the Tigers as well. We did see a bunch of pitching changes on Friday that kind of moved everything around. One game that didn't have a pitching change, though, Diamondbacks and Padres, that was Merrill Kelly. That line moved about 20 cents with Merrill Kelly on the mound. Merrill Kelly's ERA is much lower than his FIP. When Merrill Kelly starts again this week against Oakland, money will come in against Merrill Kelly. I guarantee you that. There are no such things as locks in this business, but it is a GD lock that money will come in against Merrill Kelly in his start later this week. I guarantee it. Kelly, of course, did win that game. I was on the Padres and the Padres team total over, uh, but Kelly did come away with the win in that one. 
Saturday, we I was surprised not to see a Steven Matz fade against Aaron Nola and the Phillies. And this is important, too. When you talk about looking at ERA and FIP and reading the markets and knowing who's a play-on guy, who's a fade guy, the teams that are play-on teams and fade teams, stuff like that, if you anticipate that a move will come in and it doesn't happen, sometimes that says more than the move itself. Because a lot of times the move, the steam will be an auto move. Like I said, Merrill Kelly is going to have money bet against him later this week, and it will happen in most of his starts until his number is correct. That will be an automatic fade. But sometimes when you expect an automatic fade and it doesn't happen, that says a lot. There's a reason why that line hasn't moved. And that was the case with Mats and Nola uh, in that start uh, on Saturday. Nola won. The Phillies won easily. But it was a place where I expected a line move and didn't get it. So sometimes those are things that stand out more than the moves that actually happen. Saturday, we saw money come in against James Paxton on the Boston Red Sox. That was the Red Sox against the lefty. I believe that was the Nate Yavaldi game. Yavaldi is really the only starting pitcher that people feel like the Red Sox have. So he's taking a little bit of money as a result. But again, that was Boston against the lefty. We've seen that move happen a lot here throughout the course of the season. Sunday, we saw a little bit of a Rick Porcello buy. And I'm not a Rick Porcello guy, but that's a big ERA and FIP discrepancy there. I mentioned Porcello, 60.2% left on base percentage. Low left on base percentage, ERA and FIP discrepancy. Money will come in on those guys. The market, the quant crowd that uses sabermetrics to handicap will be on some of those guys uh, more often than not. We saw fade of John Lester on Sunday as well. Very low strikeout percentage for John Lester here so far. I am also not a believer. Didn't fade him in Sunday's game, but I am not a John Lester believer. Saw heavy Dustin May money come in on Sunday against the Angels and Julio Tehran. A lot of people out there in community like Dustin May. That line jumped 30 to 40 cents out there. Uh, You know, again, the market doesn't like Julio Tehran either. Tehran is a guy lower ERA, higher fifth throughout most of his career. The market will bet against him when they get a chance. They found a chance on Sunday. I wound up taking May and the Dodgers there in that one. So far today on Monday, we've seen a little bit of Hunjin Ryu money come in for the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think part of this is a buy of Ryu that the market really likes. But I also think that we may start to see a fade of the Baltimore Orioles. They're a great story. I think a lot of people will think it's a cute story, but they're a team that was not expected to play well. And you get some of these teams that wind off, wind up getting off to decent starts and the market confidence just doesn't match the results and they kind of wait and they kind of bide their time and they sort of, you know, wait for situations where they feel like the Orioles are a little bit overvalued. And maybe that's a spot here today. Alex Cobb goes for Baltimore Cobb is a regression candidate as well from an ERA and FIP standpoint. So like that's part of the equation too. But again, you know, it's a good idea, even if you don't like games. Like, I don't like this game. I don't have a bet on this game. But it's a good idea to get into the practice of looking at the market and seeing why things are moving. Seeing why the wisdom of crowds is creating a line move on that game. And then adopt that for your own handicapping. You know, information is power in in this handicapping business. 
And if you've got a lot of information, if you pick up on these market trends and stuff like that, it can be really beneficial for you in the long run. And if you get to a point where your bankroll is big enough to start scalping and middling and arbitraging and stuff like that, you're going to have all of these tools in your toolbox to get out in front of these line moves. So it's never a bad idea, even if you don't like a game, to kind of follow what happens in the market if you've got the time to do that. Seeing a lot of Atlanta Braves money come in today on Tuki Toussaint. That's a fade of national starter Anibal Sanchez. I'm on the over in this game. I'm not on a side, uh, but you know Toussaint is a guy, higher ERA, lower FIP. Um, Sanchez is a guy the market just doesn't generally like. So perfect storm again with the Braves move there. We'll see if they take care of business in tonight's game. White Sox money coming in, and you know the White Sox have taken money pretty much daily since Tim Anderson got back in the lineup. And he is a really big part, a big catalyst at the top of the order. Part of this, too, is a fate of Matt Boyd, who has looked awful in his four starts so far. And that is another one of my plays here for today. I do like the White Sox and the Tigers over the total, nine and a half on that one. Not a big Gio Gonzalez guy for the White Sox. Tigers with some platoon advantages there. But Matt Boyd just doesn't look right. He gives up a lot of home runs, too. And that helps you get towards an over, obviously. So I do like the over in White Sox-Tigers, but also seeing that White Sox money in the market. And then lastly here for Monday, Zach Davies. Taking a lot of road money here for the Padres against Jordan Lyles and the Rangers. And the market hates Jordan Lyles. This is another one. You can isolate these guys where when they pitch, the market's coming in against them with regularity. Jordan Lyles is one of those guys for the Rangers here and money very much coming in against him today with the Padres, a big road favorite at Texas. So we preview four series here for the week ahead and we start with the Nationals and Braves. As I mentioned, Anibal Sanchez, Tuki Toussaint tonight, Austin Voth and Josh Tomlin tomorrow, Eric Fetty and Kyle Wright on Wednesday. Not great pitching matchups here in this series. Tomlin largely working in relief. That'll be a bullpen day for the Braves. And keep an eye on that. Toussaint, generally not very efficient. You get Tomlin in a spot start role on Tuesday. Kyle Wright doesn't work deep into games. Watch for that Atlanta bullpen here in this series because they could wind up with a pretty big workload. And of course, that could carry over to the weekend as well. These are two league average offenses, but we're going to get some higher totals here with some lackluster pitching matchups. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. But what I'm watching for in this series is I want to see Washington do something. You know, I want to see the Nationals go out there and score some runs or get some good relief work or something. Because they're 8-11 and 11 right now. They're kind of pedestrian overall. Getting Juan Soto back helped the offense. But there's nothing that stands out about Washington right now. I want to see if they do something to make themselves stand out a little bit here in this series against the Braves, in this series where maybe they've got some decent chances to do something on the offensive side. The A's and the Diamondbacks will play two at Chase Field and then two at Oakland Coliseum here. Chris Bassett, Zach Gallon tonight. I do have a play on that game in my picks and tips piece over at bangthebook.com. Frankie Montas, Luke Weaver slated for Tuesday. Merrill Kelly and Jesus Lazardo on Wednesday. Alex Young, Sean Manaya on Thursday. Again, there will be a move on Lazardo and Kelly in that game on Wednesday there. Lazardo may be a pretty big favorite, but the market is still very likely to side with him in that game. 
The Diamondbacks get two righties at home, two lefties on the road. They've got that platoon-oriented offense, but it has not performed well over the course of the season here so far. Today, I like both Bassett and Gallon, but after that, the A's have a big starting pitching edge in the rest of this series. They also had the bullpen edge, so we'll see what their prices wind up looking like for the rest of this series. The Brewers and the Twins will play three here. Corbin Burns, Kenta Maeda on Tuesday. Brett Anderson and to be determined on Wednesday. Brandon Woodruff, Jose Barrios on Thursday. Kenta Maeda was a buy candidate last week for me against the Brewers. He got us an easy victory. I want to see what that line looks like because I still think Maeda is a little bit underpriced out there in the marketplace so far. But the Twins offense has not found that extra gear. Will it return? Will they get it now that the rest of the league is starting to do more offensively? That will be something to watch with Minnesota as we go forward. And the Brewers, with that platoon-based offensive style, they're not doing much offensively, like most of the teams that utilize a lot of platoon advantages. Will they get going here in this series? I doubt it, quite frankly. I think this is an under-series, or you look to play the Twins over the course of these three games. Maybe not on Thursday with Brandon Woodruff because Brandon Woodruff is so good. That's maybe an under game with Woodruff and Barrios. Uh, but you know, again, the Brewers offense is just, it's its not there. Christian Yelich is not hitting. They're just not there. Keston here has kind of been up and down. They're not quite there, but neither are the Twins. So maybe unders in this series is the way to look. Finally, Rays and Yankees here. Blake Snell, Masahiro Tanaka tomorrow. Tyler Glass now, Garrett Cole Wednesday. To be determined, so some sort of opener and bulk setup on Thursday for the Rays. Is it time to buy the Rays? Because I've kind of talked about this a little bit, that I think they're rounding into form right now. Maybe it's buy time, and maybe you can get some nice prices here on them in this series against the Yankees, who have obviously played very, very well. They're looking to finish off a four-game sweep of Boston here today. But I do think the Yankees may be a little bit of a regression candidate here. Uh, so maybe you take the Rays a little bit more in this series. Maybe you take a Rays series price, something like that. But I think now might be about the time to start buying the Tampa Bay Rays. Should be on tomorrow with Brian Blessing. We'll talk about the start of the FedEx Cup playoffs and what's going on in the NHL playoffs. Thursday, another edition of the Betters Box. I still don't know about the full shows yet. Again, college football is so up in the air. NFL doesn't start till September 10th. Uh, I've got some stuff that's kind of popping up here late in August and early September. So I'm not sure about the full shows as of yet. We'll be back at some point. Uh, But for right now, still doing three days a week with two betters boxes and Brian Blessing on Tuesdays. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.